Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? I don't know how the service got full already. Some of you need to go to 8.30. Some of you need to go to 12. There's lots more seats available at these services. Now, we are glad you're here this morning. I just want to follow up with what Ruth said. Aren't you thankful for our youth worship team today? Man, that front line of young people, average age, way younger than you. So glad, though, that we have a multi-generational church that we can have our students and train them to be good worship leaders. Amen. Also, uh, we're going to be talking about marriage today, um, but I just want to uh, reiterate about Alpha Marriage that uh, in past years recently, we've done single day marriage events. But instead of that, we're going to be doing Alpha Marriage, which again, seven weeks is a little better than one night. And mistakenly, last week or the week before, I mentioned that this may be engaged. Couples could go to this. The staff rebuked me. No, they they corrected me gently and said, Pastor Brown, this is not for engaged couples. This is not for engaged couples. This is just for married people. So if you're already married, uh, you can sign up for Alpha Marriage. And I would say that $50 for seven weeks is a worthy investment into your marriage. Um, it could save thousands of dollars in counseling later on. <clears throat> so $50 is worth it to invest into the most important relationship that you have in your life. Can I get an amen? All right, so you can sign up for that after service. How many of you have brought your Dreamers Journal with you today? Um, hopefully some of you have it. We, As we go through this series, you can be taking some notes and writing down some dreams, some visions that God is revealing to you from his word. It's an important thing for us to do. And uh, I know that some of you have taken two journals. We've done the math. Some of you have taken two journals. <clears throat> so please at least bring one of them um, to church on a Sunday morning so that you can be taking some notes alongside of us. All right, what we're wanting to do in this series is we want to discover, when we're using this word vision or dream, um, as the awareness of God's desired future for you. This is how God operates in our lives, that he presents a picture. He paints a picture of a future that he wants for us. He shows us the end, and then he's leading us and guiding us and and strengthening us to be able to get to that vision. Um, So this is what we're talking about in this series. And listen, if God gives you an open vision like Paul on the road to Damascus, um, he shows up and you see in the spirit realm, just like that vision, God is going to be giving you some instructions. But we, similar to that, we can go to the word of God and say, God, what are you painting in my life? What vision, what have you already revealed to me? What have you shown me in your word, something about my future that you are drawing me towards? And this is what we want to write down our lives. This is what we want to make plain. And we want to separate these things from just our goals or what something that I could think up that we actually truly want the will of God. As followers of Jesus, we should follow him. We should desire his will for our lives. We are bought with a price and we are not our own. So we want the will of God for our lives. And this is what we want to discover um, in this series. And this is for young and old and everybody in between. We see in the scripture that God is constantly presenting vision to us. And we see this in the stories that we're reading. So we want to know what God has for us. And listen, God never sells us short. God knows all of the gifts and all of the potential that he's placed on the inside of you and the visions he presents and our lives are based on those things. So God is always moving us forward. Like week one, we said God is always moving us forward and upward. So we want to challenge ourselves with the dream and vision 
that God has for our lives. So last week we started out, um, this is part two of what was going to be uh, last week's message. Last week we talked about parenting and seeing the vision for a godly family. And so today we're going to be talking about marriage. So here, Habakkuk chapter two, the scripture that, uh, that is embossed here on your book says this, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower to look out to see what he will say to me. And this is the desire. God, what are you speaking to my heart? What are you showing me about me as an individual? What are you showing to me about my family? This is the thing that I want to see. And the Lord answered, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. So this is why we gave you a book. So as we're going through the word of God, you can be like, oh, I can see this is, this is a godly dream for my life so that I can write it down and know what it is so that I can run with the vision that God has for me. This is what you're revealing to me. I'm going to write it down, and this is what I'm going to move towards in my life. I know that you will grace me for this. I know that you will order my steps in this direction. (coughs) Verse 3, for the vision still awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. All right, today, today we want to talk about strong marriages, and this is an important topic. And so if you are married today, this is obviously, this is something that's going to sit hit close to home. If you are um, having a dream to be married one day, you can be inspired to be inspired today to be prepared uh, for your future marriage. We know from the scripture, some people will be called to singleness, but then you still need to be part of the family of God. And that's a very Small percentage of people that I would say the vast majority of people have the dream to be married one day. Um, We know that in our church family that sometimes people have gone through difficulties in marriage and have gone through divorce and struggles and, and different things like that. And like we said last week, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus we, we don't condemn people that have gone through a divorce. And if you, you know, if you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I want another chance at marriage, you know, God will honor that dream, that dream to be married from the word of God. And some people have gone through marriage once and been divorced and like, peace out. I'm, I'm happy to be single for the, the rest of our lives. Um, and, and again, none of those things, none of those difficulties in marriage should do away with the ideal in the word of God. Because here's the reality that no marriage in this church, including me and Nicole, including my parents, who will be married 62 years this September, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Why? Because there's two imperfect people coming together to create a family. And these two imperfect people are going to have struggles. They're going to have dysfunction. They're going to have certain things from their family of origin that are good and certain things that are bad. And then you're going to bring those things into your new relationship. And there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a struggle in the flesh. Like the Apostle Paul said in the New Testament, we're just going to struggle in our flesh because our flesh is imperfect. But that doesn't do away with the ideal. That doesn't do away with the vision that God presents to us. Um, for what the ultimate marriage should look like and what that should do. It shouldn't um, cause us to be sad or shrink back. We should be inspired. We should say, as married couples and then people who want to be married, we should say to ourselves, man, I can always get better. We can always do better. I can always learn how to be a better husband. I can always learn how to be a better wife. And this is what I would say about marriage in general, 
that just because you're a man doesn't, know, doesn't mean you know how to be a husband. And it doesn't mean you know how to be a husband to your wife. Same thing. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean you know how to be a wife yet. You haven't been one. And it doesn't mean you know how to be a wife to the husband that you are married to. And that is a lifelong journey. It's a beautiful goal to learn how to be married to this person that God has joined us with. Uh, and so it can be, we can give grace to each other. We can be like, oh, I know I'm not a perfect husband, and Nicole's not a perfect wife, but we're going to work this thing out together. Everybody say together. And this is what marriage is all about. And what I'm not trying to do today is I'm not trying to present a secular vision of marriage, all right? You get enough of that everywhere else. I'm actually going to present to you a biblical vision dream for marriage without apology, And I'm not trying to fit it into some sort of secular worldview as to what marriage should be. We have the evolution of what people talk about marriage and relationships and how they cast them aside. You know, you'll hear people talk about marriage and you'll see, you know, on contemporary dating shows and they'll they'll make statements. And a lot of it is just having to do with selfishness. That you're not meeting my needs and then therefore... I'm going, to be out of, I'm going to step out of this marriage. And then you're not the person that you used to be, which is one of the stupidest statements. Nicole and I got married when we were 24. Thank God we're not the people we used to be. You know what I mean? You, you, you're the person that you're married to is going to grow and change, and then you are going to grow and change, and then you are going to love that person every step of the way. And, and you know, one of the things that characterizes... Um, you know, the secular view of marriage, that it could just be cast aside, that it's not important, and you hear phrase, well, it's just a piece of paper. It's not just a piece of paper. It is actually a covenant between a man, a godly dream vision of it. It's a covenant between a man and a woman to be able to create a family together. And then you'll see it presented about marriage and the struggle of secular contemporary marriage is, is, is characterized by this. That there's, uh, the man has a job opportunity in one city and the woman has a job opportunity in the other city. And then somehow they can't figure it out together and they're going to just cast the marriage aside because of career. And a godly view of marriage is that family is more important than career. A godly view of marriage. So how would two godly people figure this out. Well, one of you would take a different job to be together because family is more important. And that is not a secular view of marriage. And I don't apologize for presenting it to you. So God has given us a vision, a dream, a directive as to the purpose of marriage, a man and a woman coming together. There's a reason for it. The reason God has designed it this way and so we can prepare and we can get ready. The foundation of the nation, the foundation of the church, marriage and family. Amen. The primary place of discipleship for children is in the home. It's in the context of marriage. We know, and if you've done, if you've seen any recent studies, you know that it's important. Again, this is not a condemnation statement for people who haven't made it work. But it's better for children to live in a home with a husband and a wife together. Amen. Again, no condemnation for people that are working it out on their own. Single parents, solo moms, solo dads, we love you. We're on your side. We're on your team. We're your family. But the vision that God gives us 
for family and children is what? A mom and a dad and children in a home so children can be discipled in the ways of God. See, the enemy wants to destroy and distort families. But instead, let's embrace the vision that God has for families. Embrace the dream, the godly dream for families. Because again, this other thing, this secular thing that we observe, listen, people are just making it up as they go along. Well, what does it look like this year? And what is it like this year? And what is it like, what do they say this year? And what are we supposed to do this year? The eternal way to live in the context of marriage is given to us in the word of God. Amen. So what do we do as a family? Husbands and wives, we meld our dreams together. And I'm no longer an I, I'm always a we. Secondary view of marriage is I, and you no longer fit into the I, so I'm out. Godly view of marriage is we are now a we. God has joined us together. We are together. Nicole says it like this. We're on the same team. We're team family. We're an us. We're building something together. Amen. We read this last week. Gives us a view of what God says about our family or his intention for our family. Genesis 12, 1 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you and I will, not, I will make of you a great nation. <coughs> I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Abraham, the call on his family, the godly dream for your family, husbands and wives. What's the godly dream for your family? That you would be blessed in every way. This is not just finances, so that's part of it. God wants your family to be blessed so that you could be a blessing. God wants your family to be a repository of blessing and encouragement and strength so that you can be a blessing to other people. Have you ever been inspired by a family? This is God's design. I know growing up for me, you know, it's hard. You grow up in church and your parents are like, eh, you can't. I mean, I appreciate my parents' marriage now, obviously. But when you're a kid and you're living, I was like, ah, they're just old and look at their hair. And, you know, <laughs> and there were some like other cool young people in the church. that I'm like, that's a cool, that's a great vision of marriage. And this is what we should do in the household of God. Should we inspiring to one another? And we should be inspiring by my, be inspired by my parents who've been married 62 years. But we should also be inspired by the young couple who are doing great, who are raising godly children. Amen. So that that family, that your family could be blessed. Say it with me. To be a blessing. It's God's dream. You should write that down. What's God's dream for our family? That we would be blessed so we could be a blessing. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the one who is alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. But again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And although a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. 
See, it's not God's intention for you to be alone. Even if you're called to singleness, you're called to be part of the family of God. You're not called to be alone, even if you're called to be single. Because what is the scripture telling us? Man, if you fall and you're by yourself, you've got nobody to help you. Everybody needs to be part of a church family. Because think about it. If somebody is truly alone with no family and like they're struggling, what, what is their recourse? Well, the government, eh. Nah, we're supposed to be in community. We're, we're, supposed to ha- we're not supposed to be alone. We're supposed to be in the context of family and we're supposed to be in the context of a greater family. And that's what a church is. Because why? We're going to go through stuff and it's going to be difficult. Nicole and I are going to go through stuff individually, but we have each other. Are you here today? That we're not alone. You're not called to be alone. And then what does it say? A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Who's the third person in mine and Nicole's marriage? It's God. And in your marriage, it's going to be God. And there's strength in that. Again, just the secular view is just I, me, I, me, I want this, I feel this, I have to have this. A godly marriage is we. And God is in the center of our marriage. God is strengthening us and and he's helping us because if we go through life, there's gonna be some difficulties, but we're together. We're team us. We're team family. We don't cast it aside. We don't disregard it. We don't think it's nothing. It is actually something that God has designed, a godly view of marriage, and it's right back in the center of creation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this Then the Lord said, It is not good that men should be alone. Young men, just gonna pause for a second, I'm just gonna use this exact word. Young men, you need to have a vision and a dream for a wife. You shouldn't, I'm just telling you, you shouldn't be alone. I feel like there should be more amens there. I don't know. <clears throat> you shouldn't be alone. Amen. You need a wife. But I'm going to extend it. Young women, you should have a dream for a husband. You shouldn't be alone for the rest of your life. It's your call to singleness. Again, the exception, not the rule. But Pastor Brian, have you seen what I have to choose from? (laughs) Yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. Don't give up the dream. (laughs) If you want to be married, don't give up the dream. And I've been around for a while in church. And you know, some people get past that marrying age or what supposedly is some sort of marrying age. And then God actually brings somebody into their lives past the age that they thought. And it's a beautiful thing. Don't give up the dream. It's not good for you to be alone. Loneliness is not a good thing. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. 
and whatever he called them, every living creature, that was his name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds and the heavens and every beast to the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him, suitable for Adam. So what did God bring to man? And again, in creation is the design. It is the purpose. This is not a scientific account of creation. This is a purposeful account of creation. So the Lord caused deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed it up the place with his flesh and the rib, and the Lord said, the Lord God had taken from the man and made into a woman and brought her to the man, and the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. A lot of great teaching here just in these last two verses. A lot of the marriage counseling we've done over the years, this past many years we've been pastoring, is addressed in verse 24. That a man shall leave, everybody say leave, his father and mother, and shall hold fast to his wife. And we've observed over the years that it's been a struggle for some men to leave their mama. And it's been a struggle for some mamas to let their sons go. But the Bible says... And I'm going to give you a biblical vision for marriage. The Bible says, doesn't mean you dishonor your mom. You need to honor her for the rest of your life. This is scripture with promise. Honor your father and mother. But after you get married, men, I want you to answer out loud, who is the number one woman in your life? That was, I don't know if I had everybody there. So I'm here, marriage counseling is happening right now. (laughs) If your mama says one thing and your wife says another, you go to your mom and you say, I'm doing something else, but I still love you. That's just hours of counseling for you right there. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. A vulnerability together. We're an us. We're going to go through life together. I'm going to be wide open to you. As illustrated by the physical. But together in this covenantal relationship that God brings together, you and I are a team. We're a family. We're an us. No longer a big I. I'm always a we. Amen. And this is different than a secular view of marriage. And I'm going to read some scriptures to you that are anti-secular view of marriage here in a second that are going to be shocked. So they're going to be, oh, I can't believe it says that. But again, I'm not, I'm not trying to fit it in. I'm not trying to fit it in into what marriage has become in the world. Listen, the world, doesn't even, the world doesn't even know what it thinks marriage is right now. 
because it's got to check in with somebody. Is this okay with you? That marriage is this? Who's the you? You who? This is evolving. It's changing. It's like, this is what marriage is. That's just a piece of... No, let's go to the design of creation. Let's go with what God says about it. Scripture, not the scripture, a saying that I heard one time that I think is very apropos to marriage is before you get married, opposites attract. After you get married, potentially opposites can attack. (laughs) And we see in the context of creation, God brings a man together and a woman together and this is what marriage is, is the godly vision for marriage, not other things. That in the context of this, there there is uh, the potential for children to take place, a family to take place. But then men or women are different. There just needs to be a really good amen right there. Men and women are different. And it is the difference that the the attraction takes place, but then the, the difference also creates difficulties. And this is where the difficulties lie, in, in the difference. Because you... You, you think and perceive life differently and you, you, your approach in conversations and, and you have different gifts and talents and all of these differences, but these differences is what God has brought together and has called it marriage. And it is beautiful and it's difficult. This is why we have alpha marriage. It's a struggle in our flesh. But we, we potentially, today, we could just compete with each other, but instead of competing each other, that we, and I don't mean this without God, but that we actually com- we complete each other and we complement each other. And we bring this other aspect of God's nature, and God has created man and women, man and woman, both created in the image of God, and the thing that Nicole is that I am not, I need, and vice versa. And this is in the design of creation, and this is in the design of, major, of marriage. <clears throat> Husbands provide something unique and special and beautiful in the context of marriage and in the context of parenting. Wives bring something beautiful and unique and special in the context of marriage and in the context of parenting. Don't try to be each other. I wrestled with the girls. Nicole didn't. But she wasn't trying to make me be her. And then she did girl stuff with them that I had no interest in. But they needed it, right? But they also needed to wrestle with dad. Are you here this morning? This is God's design. Something beautiful comes out of the difference. But the difference makes for difficulties and the struggle is to understand. I don't, I don't know that I get her all the time. Are any husbands want to risk an amen there with me? But then wives, you're like, I don't get him, right? Wives, come on now, you don't get him, right? I got somebody on my side, I like, I don't get it. How can you watch sports for that long? I'm like, don't worry about it. 
How could you watch that many sports? Like she, she knew I liked sports before we got married. And then we got married. She's like, how could one person consume these many sporting events? I'm like, don't worry about it. Just sit and enjoy it with me. It's amazing. I try to draw her in, but there's nothing. There's nothing happening. I'm, even in the games when there's Canada versus U.S., hockey, anything, she's like, she doesn't care. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's a beautiful competition. She doesn't care. But our struggle is to understand. How do we understand? And God will help us to do this. First Peter chapter 3. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. We can apply this principle to both. Because this is the struggle. I understand what's happening in my brain, right? I know the thought process that I'm going through. The struggle for me is I got to understand what Nicole is saying. What is she trying to tell me? (laughs) The struggle is for her is like, what is he saying? Why is he watching the sports news again? This is her thing. She's like, She's like, there's no intelligent athletes. Like, they put the microphone, and she's like, it sounds the same. Every show, is, yeah, we, it was hard, you know, take one game at a time. And she's like, I heard that before. <laughs> I'm like, babe, don't worry about it. There's other stuff. You just don't, you just don't understand. <laughs> we don't naturally understand each other. The scriptures telling us to understand here's a dream and a vision for a godly marriage. Not just for you to get across your thing and your point. A godly marriage says I will strive for the rest of my life to understand you. What are you saying? What is it that you're wanting? What are you desiring? And if you both do that for each other, that is a beautiful marriage. Well, where is the struggle? I need you to hear what I'm saying. I need you to hear what I'm saying. I, I, I want you to think like me. This is the struggle. But what is the scripture telling us? Understand. When you understand, there's a beautiful coming together. I went long again. All right, we're going to go through this last verse. See, I had this whole thing on last week's message. There was no way I was getting it done. Ephesians 5, and and Bryce is going to come play keys to make it faster. Now, what we're about to read was, and it sounds outdated now, and again, I'm 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 not apologizing for it, and I'm not trying to fit into a secular view of marriage, but in its time, this is revolutionary thoughts, and obviously, the scripture's written in, in a context, and in a time, and in a time, and specifically this time, that women weren't really thought of as people, so to speak, that women, um, they weren't able to provide evidence, their eyewitness was not admissible in, in a legal sense, and women weren't allowed to be educated except at the feet of Jesus, which is a whole big thought right now, but in the context of this world, these uh, Ideas were written about a godly marriage, a vision for a godly marriage. We'll start reading it here in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So right away, Jesus is in the middle of our marriages. 
Are you with me today? Out of reverence for Christ. We're going to submit to each other. And again, what does this mean? It's, it's the recognition that Nicole has something that I don't have. And the areas in which Nicole is strong, we follow her lead. Can I get an amen? Why would I try to be the thing Nicole is? Nicole's good at this. Let's do what she wants. Vice versa. Not just, you know, I'm the husband and we do what I want, blah, 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 some sort of odd idea of what leadership is, which we're going to address here in a second. No, but recognizing what you're gifted at, and that person takes the lead. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord. Now, the word submit just means to place yourself under. What this verse doesn't say, this verse doesn't say women submit to men. That should be a blessing to somebody. This verse says, wives, there's one man that you have to yield yourself to. And God is going to characterize his leadership here in a second. It's your husband. It's not women to all men. That when men speak, it's ex cathedra. It's not. This is what the exaggeration of these things. Now here, God is going to characterize godly leadership. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is in himself a savior. So again, Christ, Jesus, is insert, inserted into our marriage. In other words, Jesus is the ultimate head of our marriage, his values, his ways. So again, from the history of counseling that we've done over the years, wives are like, I'm trying to be this, but then if my husband is asking me to sin, do I have to be submissive? The answer is no, because Christ is the head of your home. Are you with me today? Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to him in everything as their husbands. Now, listen, this is the revolutionary part. When women were easily cast aside in this time, Women were easily divorced and then weren't able to be taken care of for the rest of their lives here in the midst of this time, which was an impossible thing to think about, that a man would give his life for his wife. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her revolution. Give myself for a woman? I'm speaking in this time. Are you with me? How men would think in this time. I, I could just divorce her. I don't need her. And even today, there's places in the world where husbands can kill their wives and walk away scot-free. This is a revolution right here that men, husbands would give their lives like Jesus gave himself for the church. What is a godly vision for men, for marriage? I give my life for you. There should be some women clapping in the room. I don't know about that one. That he might sanctify her having cleansed her by washing water with the word. 
so that he may present the church himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Revolution. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore shall a man leave his father. Here it is again. Shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So what is our marriage? Our marriage is a picture to the world of Christ and the church. And what does that look like? How is that characterized? By submission, love, respect, sacrifice, cleansing, discipleship, nourishing, and cherishing. And that is a better vision for marriage than anything you will watch on TV today. It just is. Like scientifically, it's better than just me, I, me, I, me, I, me, I. I give myself for the sake of my family. Finally, this. We, we use this for everything else, but a lot of times we don't do it in marriage. John thirteen thirty four says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just think about marriage right now. Just as I have loved you, so also you are to love one another. So husbands, wives, this is the dream. You're going to fail. I'm going to fail. We're going to come up short. But the vision is still the same, even when we mess up. That I am choosing for the rest of my life this covenant that God has brought us together in. I'm going to love Nicole imperfectly. I'm going to make mistakes. But my vision, my dream, I'm going to love her like Christ has loved us and gave himself for us. Let's pray today. God, we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for this vision of a godly marriage. We thank you, Lord, that you help us all that you give us grace in all of the areas that we fall short. God, I pray that we are not crushed by these words today, but we are only inspired, that you help us and you guide us. We thank you for your goodness today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, before we go this morning, if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the gospel, the good news is all about what Christ has done for us. He came, he lived a sinless life, died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because all of that happened, God makes a way for us to have a relationship with himself. So if that's you today, you've never said yes to Jesus, never made him the Lord of your life. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second to say yes to Jesus. You can follow along in that prayer. Maybe you're here today and you kind of feel distant from God this morning. Maybe that one time in your life, you said yes to Jesus and you felt close, but maybe something happened and you feel distant from God today. You know that God is not mad at you today. God is inviting you close to himself again. I invite you to pray along with me. Church, let's bow our head and close our eyes. 
And let's pray this prayer out loud, praying with somebody who might be praying it for the first time or somebody who's rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those who made that decision for the first time today. We are so happy for you. We are celebrating with you. So if that was you, if you made a decision to follow Jesus or you decided to rededicate your life to him this morning, we're going to encourage you to fill out the connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Turn that in into the info desk. We have a team that's going to greet you with a big smile. They're going to celebrate your decision. But as well, they have some free resources for your new journey of faith just to help you move closer to Jesus. Hey, before I dismiss you, I want to remind you of those announcements. If you're looking to get connected, if you're interested in the Alpha Marriage course, or you want to lead a city group, that can all happen at the info desk. That is a place to go to get connected to the heart of our church. Amazing. I'm going to invite you to stand up. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Come on, 10 15 service. Nice and packed. We love it. All right. If you came to church this morning, hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, our leaders, they're going to be down here at the front of the service. Feel free to come up to them in just a couple of moments and they'll be more than happy to pray with you. All right, City Church, we love you. Pray that you have a great week just getting vision for your family and investing into your marriage. We love you. We will see you next week at 8.30, 10.15 or noon. Maybe choose a different service so this one doesn't stay so packed. Maybe. All right, we love you guys so much. Have a great week.